The Free For All Roundtable. Round two. On round two today, Jason Agnew is here, News Talk 1010 personality, host of the trivia show, amongst other things. Max Valaket, advertising and media guy. Sunira Chaudhry is an employment lawyer at Workly Law. Happy Friday to you all. And speaking of the law, actually, maybe Sunira, I'll defer to your expertise on this first topic. Uh, Doug Ford suffering a defeat in the courts where a uh, judge has ruled against the imposition of Bill 124. That's the one that holds the uh, contracts over three years to 1% for public employees. The judge said no way. Uh, Doug Ford says he'll appeal, but he's not going to use the notwithstanding clause. I have to think, Sanira, that's largely because the notwithstanding clause didn't quite work out the last time. Yeah, I t- totally think here, John, that um, the Ford government is going to want to have the way they sort of engage with the, with, with the QP sort of bargaining far back in their rear view window they don't want the notwithstanding clause to come up as a um as an issue going forward largely because i don't think doug ford wants to take on labor ontario and to continue to antagonize that big you know swath of workforce um in our province so it's absolutely the smart move and the the way that the court looked at it was that uh, you know this was repealed in, in large part because um, the, the court saw it as an infringement on uh, the, uh, the labor force's ability to collective bargain. And so it would be a dangerous precedent to uphold that law. We do see um, that Doug Ford says they are going to appeal. But I, I think the use of the notwithstanding clause is going to be a thing of the past, at least for uh, the immediate future. Okay, Jason Agnew, it's great news, I guess, in defense of collective bargaining, but not great news for the Treasury. You know, John, I, I think what we can say about this is, you know, once bitten, twice shy. And if nothing else for Doug Ford's government, you know, they're learning from the way they dealt with the last one here in going forward. Yeah, okay, Max Valaket. Yeah, I'm just stunned that by the end of the year, we got to hear the phrase, Doug Ford has decided to not use the notwithstanding clause. So I didn't have that in my 2022 bingo, and I've got to adjust my card now. But it is arguable, uh, Max, that uh, either this premier learns or he just continues to blunder and change his mind. Uh, Maybe it's that second thing you just said. Yeah, okay. So uh, let's move on to Doug Ford, and it has not been a great week for him because he was at peace with most other governments and now all of a sudden it appears he's declaring war on the city of toronto all over again um the issue here is that um the, the province is amending things so that development fees will be compromised municipalities are saying we can't get by without the money now doug ford is back to arguing that toronto can't manage its finances and uh, jason agnew i'll start with you on this one doug ford was a city councillor for four years his um brother was the mayor for four years if they couldn't straighten out financing back then i don't know why they expect to straighten it out now yeah i I think that is a great point here john i mean you can go back into his past and if there is room to be cut and he thinks he can figure this out then get into a closed meeting with john tory and go ahead and point out where he thinks these cuts can be made but i mean i've had the opportunity to speak to so many mayors at this point including burlington's mayor marianne mead ward and uh, colin best as well who's the association of municipalities on ontario president and they are all dead set against this there is a unique united front against the province from all municipalities here. So I have to wonder, Max Valaket, to come back to a similar theme, if Doug Ford eventually is going to have to find himself backing down on this one as well. But at the moment, it seems he wants a fight with John Tory. 
Yeah, which is a little odd to me because it seems like their uneasy partnership benefits, I think, both of them. And this is a premier, again, who's trying to extend very strong powers to uh, John Tory in particular. So I think there's something unresolved here. And I do think we'll have to see what happens when we finally do get a, um, a fully audited statement on what the city's finances are actually like. It seems like a bit of a weird fight to pick simply because if Doug Ford is wrong about this one, it's exactly what's been said. He was a city councilor for four years. His brother was mayor for four years. They talked a, a lot about uh, uh, ending taxpayer waste and stopping a gravy train and all of these uh, uh, quick little mottos that they had. But in the end, they didn't really actually stand for incisive financial analysis of what was actually going on. It was sloganeering. And so this is a tough one because I think he actually kind of has to win this one based on his expertise and his history once he's put it out there. Okay, listen, I want to jump to a few other issues this morning, including uh, we spoke with a school trustee earlier this morning who was talking about not only stripping out the name Sir John McDonald from a school in the London area, but also Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And I sort of get that. wasn't our president. But then we move on to Prince Charles and Princess Anne, because apparently that could be triggering to people. Um, Sunira, I get some of the revisions that we're going through right now in these spasms, but at the same time, I also understand it costs $40,000 to change the name of a school, and I think that could pay for a couple of Hillroy notebooks. Well, I think that when it comes to name changing, I, I think it's a polarizing topic but i frankly don't know why it makes the news um that it does i think canada has evolved past its sort of uh roots um with respect to our our uh, allegiance to the monarchy i think we're a much more diverse uh country now and so it's time for some evolution john i do agree there and i i know that every time we talk about the changing of the name of a school or the name of a park or the name of a uh, a, a street sign. This is polarizing, but I don't think it should be given where Canada is going. Okay. I mean, Max Valaket, I do very much understand that part of truth and reconciliation is actually making a difference and making some changes. But at the same time, even though I am a Republican, I will say that I really don't care if you name a school after Prince Charles. Yeah. What I think is interesting about this is you decide to name a school, you decide to name anything after someone, and you sort of live and die with that person and that name. Names are brands, right? And they have a connotation of something. So as soon as you apply that name to something, you're applying everything that gets applied to that name for the future. And I think we had a different perception in previous years of what people stood for. That's changing now. The Charles one kind of makes me laugh because I think the school is officially called Prince Charles, right? So mm -hmm. the school name is no longer really accurate if you think about it. But there's also, uh, I think there's a Princess Elizabeth school at Well that isn't looking at changing its name. I think people just kind of don't like him the same way. I think people just don't have good associations with him the same way that they do with her. And that's what it comes down to is what does your brand stand for? So if they don't like him and if he doesn't stand for the right stuff, yeah, people are going to want to change the name. Yeah, okay. But then there's Princess Anne and nobody doesn't like Princess Anne, Jason Agnew. I, I, 
how many people actually think of a school name and immediately think of the person that it's associated yeah. with? I mean, this goes back to the Dundas and the Ryersons and all the name changing that's going on and all the money that's been wasting. I went to Ryerson. My degree, which is buried somewhere, still says Ryerson on it. I actually thought it was a brand name of textbooks for a while. I don't think it really matters. I don't see, I mean, I agree with you on the wasted money that's associated with this. This is just a small example of the larger issue that's going on with, you know, the Dundas, which is going to cost the city a ton of money. Uh, Beck Taxi is actually suing the city of Toronto. What they're upset about is the fact that the city does not enforce mandatory education for professional drivers. So, for example, anybody can drive Uber, but a taxi driver still has to pass a test. Um, Jason Agnew, again, I'll come back to you on this one. I'm sympathetic, although I think most people know where I am on taxis versus Uber. John, you know, I, uh, I, I I would love it if there was a way to enforce Uber driving regulations as well, because when you do uh, immigrate to a city and you opt to drive in that city, you should know that city before you become a driver. I mean, you can be a safe driver, but on top of that, you got to know where you're going. And that's one of the charms of using taxis and having drivers that are actually educated to know where to go. Because I can't, can't, you know, the amount of times I've gotten into a ride share and been like where are you going right now i because i've been in the city all my life it's crazy although sunira i mean one of the benefits of rideshare is that they're actually working in real time usually on an app and the last time i took a taxi a beck taxi i will add uh from the uh island airport we ended up on adelaide and i think everybody listening right now knows that adelaide is not a desirable street to be on Yeah, but John, I mean, I think to the point earlier, I, I every experience I've had in an Uber lately is, well, I'm taking this route because GPS told me so. And um, I will say that I think my experience in a taxi most of the time is a heck of a lot better. These are drivers that know uh, the, the city's, you know, inner inner roads inside and out they know the gridlock inside and out rather than an uber driver coming in from like mississauga or caledon who has no idea how to navigate rush hour in the city so i would say if you want to get somewhere quickly you're probably your best bet is going to be a taxi driver okay i mean max i would agree with the uh, owner manager of beck that everybody should have the same training yeah and you know it's a tough one. I mean, there's no greater feeling in Toronto than when you're heading up Queen at Bathurst, or so heading up Bathurst to Queen, and 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 the traffic is bad, and you're in a cab, and the guy pulls through Graffiti Alley to get you down to Queen West, and you just feel like, oh my God, that person's got a a knowledge of the city that is directly benefiting me right now. That tends to happen to me more in taxis than in Ubers. And frankly, I like Beck's app. I think Beck's app is actually pretty great that you can hail a Beck and pay from the app when you're when you're in the cab. Uh, it's a pretty it's a pretty a pretty neat thing. The the challenge is it's not a particularly level playing field, but I. I think what's tough is the taxi companies benefited from regulation that really uh, was was very positive for them for the longest time. So it, it's 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 a it's a very it's a very tough one because we as consumers in the end benefit from having as much choice as possible and being able to choose whether or not you're going to use a cab or or an Uber or a Lyft. Um, and and the bottom line is that kind of competition in the end fundamentally does benefit us, right? And that's what we want. In the end, what's going to get me to where I want to go the fastest? There is a move afoot to strip two former senators of their title honorable. Uh, Sunira, I'm a big fan of uh, honorifics, but I also think they should be removed if you are no longer honorable. 
Well, you know, I think words matter. And that's, that's definitely the case here. We have, um, you know, at least one senator dealing with really serious allegations of sexual uh, harassment. Um, and that's why this motion is going ahead. I think when you're dealing with um, allegations of this kind, and by the way, I, I don't believe they're, they've been proven anywhere, but um, it, it signals that uh, the changes have to be made. And I think this is a good move that the Senate is is taking not to just sort of sit by the sidelines and wait, but actually taking um, some action with respect to uh, how these how these senators are are referenced. And Thank you all. Good to have you. Max Valakat, Sanira Chaudhary, Jason Agnew on round two. And that's our time. Nice to be back in the saddle, but nice also to have a weekend to look forward to. So I hope you have an amazing one. Keep it right here for the best talk radio in all of Canada. Catch the roundtable. Round one at 745. Round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.